Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. I gotta have some scoots on the game, baby. Some days I just have a gut feeling about a matchup and sometimes I just randomly bet on the Steelers. And if by randomly, I mean strategically bet on the proudest, greatest franchise in the history of organized sports. But regardless, whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, then you're a normal guy. And in that case, try a parlay. You can string together a couple losers or a couple winners and double, triple, quadruple your winnings. If you're going to bet this season, go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. They got MLB, football, college and pros, NBA, NHL, go pens, et cetera, et cetera. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag online today. You play, you win, you get paid. In the reflective silence of the Steelers' bye week, we take stock to assess the viability of a season marred by a cataclysmic loss of personnel. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is October 20th, 2019. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And for the second week in a row, I come to you not from the command center, but from the bowels of the laundry room. The, the studio. However, the studio. We'll call it the studio, but you all know it where I really am because but the difference is this week I have moved everything here, including the glorious 33-inch iMac, which is perched upon the hand-hewn workbench, lovingly constructed by Nick's grandfather low many years ago. And the nice. keyboard and the mouse are sitting atop fluffy piles of errant sawdust, and the rhythmic cycles of the humidifier and the clothes dryer are whispering in the background. Hopefully you guys don't hear that. We did a little test. Anyway, we are going to take stock. This isn't quite the halfway mark, but we're going to take stock of the team's personality and prospects for the rest of the season. That's my alternative. That's a bad phone for, for Tomlin. That's right. 
just just let it ring. He needs to be. He needs to even take a week off of work, anyways. Your intro, the preamble there. Uh, not only was it concise, uh, but it was right on. A season marred by cataclysmic loss of personnel. Stefan Tuit, he's out for the season since the last time we talked. That sucks. But let's just get right into it. Let's talk about the Steelers' season. There is a lot of action to be had. The fact that they almost beat the Ravens. They should have beat the Ravens if not for incredible play by Marlon Humphrey. On the uh, on the Ravens, uh, who punched the ball out of Juju's hands on that, hopefully what would have been a game-winning drive. And then they go to Los Angeles to beat the Chargers in a home game in California, a Pittsburgh home game, might I add. And right now, while we're podcasting, it is 3.07 Houston time. It's 4.07 Eastern time. So the games, the afternoon games are not quite over, but they're well underway. And all I have to say is there is – too much parody in the NFL. And my theories of the past few weeks are coming to fruition. That number one, everybody knows this, the AFC is abject garbage. We cannot figure out who the good teams are. Obviously, the Patriots are undefeated. Patrick Mahomes, who we'll talk about a little bit later in this um, episode, is the latest victim of the Madden curse. And with him missing at least three or four weeks, the Patriots' chances of going to the Super Bowl are probably at 98%. And while they have an excellent defense, their offense has sputtered the whole year. And then after that, the contenders in the AFC are a bunch of super flawed teams. You have the Kansas City Patrick Mahomes with a horrific defense. You have the Houston Deshaun Watsons with, again, not a great defense. They are in a dogfight right now with the Indianapolis Colts, who are a very complete team, but they lost to the Raiders at home. Obviously, losing Andrew Luck was a big deal. And then the Bills, who we've agreed all season, I'm not going to call them pretenders, but I'll just say, you if you know anything about the Bills, they do truly have a fantastic defense. And a lot of people don't realize that because they don't have name guys. But they have a horrific offense and for me personally throughout the history of the nfl there is only one team that's ever scared me when you have that like awesome defense but terrible offense and that's the jaguars i still have nightmares about that but to me the the bills don't scare me and they're gonna luck out with the win against the dolphins today and what i'm trying to say with all that is nobody has two sides to the ball but if the steelers keep playing the way they've been playing like we said This team looks more and more like the team we predicted it would be as opposed to the team that got absolutely thrashed and manhandled, mainly in my opinion, due to being outcoached in the first game against New England. The Steelers have two good sides to the ball, and it starts in the trenches. Stefan Tewitt's going to be a big loss, but they have a good offensive line. They have a great defensive line. The Minka Fitzpatrick and Bush trades. Obviously, they traded up to get um, Bush. They traded directly to get Minka Fitzpatrick and the trade for Steven Nelson have vastly improved the secondary, which is now an athletic group. And Ben Roethlisberger is not here. And it really sucks because where I'm sitting right now, looking at all these NFL teams, I think that the Steelers at least would have a shot at being maybe the second best team or just one of the competitors in the AFC right now if Ben Roethlisberger were playing because they have a little bit of balance. On both sides of the ball. Yeah, and it's really it's really shown up on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, to it just got hurt, and until then, they've been like a snowplow through a through a snowstorm. 
There you go. I think that the problem is we haven't really seen the offense lighted up. Obviously we lost Ben early and uh, the running game really didn't get going until, I mean, I, I kind of look at it like last week when James Conner finally got some holes open for him. But I mean, there, there were circumstances there that the defense wasn't suffering from. And I agree with you. I mean, the acquisitions that were made um, preseason and midseason were spot on. Yeah, the only one Mark Barron is is kind of been a bit of a bust so far. But other than that, these guys are making huge contributions. And it's just tough to tell how good or bad the run game is because we've seen them throughout the years struggle to get started running the ball. Um, they like The Steelers are one of those teams that passes to open up the run. They're Offensive line is a phenomenal pass blocking offensive line, and they're great in space with like the pulling guards. They even pull tackles, they pull the center, and they get running kind of towards the edges, whether it was with Bell or D'Angelo Williams or James Conner for that matter. So the fact that they have had really no pass game to speak of is it makes it tough to A, get a judge of the wide receivers. I mean, if you're watching the All-22, you're seeing James Washington had been open when he had been in there. Obviously, we saw Juju wide open on the first play of the game with Duck Hodges throwing to him against the Chargers off of a great double move, and he just underthrew him by six yards. He would have maybe had a touchdown on that first play. So guys are open, but we're not really getting a good look at how good the receivers are or how good that run game is because the run game in Pittsburgh, at least, needs the pass game to sort of set it up. Right. So, um, and, and as you said, we haven't even, even Ben wasn't throwing well at the beginning of the season. And now we've got two, two guys that are just sort of, you know, bubble wrapping, but they're, well, they're not ready young. to take the top off. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't blame them. So it's hard to tell what the potential is. Exactly. No, there's, not, there, there's, there's not much more to do. I mean, and, and, and people pointing at uh, Connor were just, uh, don't watch. Don't watch. Sorry. I was trying right? to come up with a nickel word for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got to have some blocking, and until recently, he didn't. So, yeah, but you I, have to uh, the you difference know. there when the guy touches the ball and he's surrounded by five people, and then go watch other, and then go watch San Francisco play, and their running backs are very good, but they don't get touched for the first four yards. You know. So, what is the reason we go from almost no turnovers last year to? I'm trying to get the numbers here, but fifteen already, I believe. Fifteen. It's second to second to the Patriots. So what is the reason for that? I think that's just the personnel. Honestly, I think that uh, it's taken them about a decade to build the personnel. And then they were incredibly aggressive getting guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush who are athletically on the higher end of things. And the Steelers were trying to make a go of it with you know, lower first-round guys who don't have quite that elite superstar potential you got someone like tj watt and he's a star and he's really blossoming and we can maybe maybe right after this we can get into kind of who have been the stars who have been in the encouraging players who have grown so far this year but you know tj he's a star he's not a troy Polamalu star he's not a ryan shazier where it's just like there's nobody else like a ryan shazier well devin bush is looking like he's in that category and i guess we can even kind of start with Devin Bush and he has a long way to go and he's been very up and down. I mean, last week you and I talked about all the missed tackles right in the open field. So he clearly has a ways to go, but he's played like five games, like six games in his career. And even when he's not making a phenomenal play, 
he's athletic enough to get around the ball. I think he has like two or four, I think he has like four fumble recoveries already in addition to the pick and the, and the touchdown he had last week. And I think that the Steelers are just fast all around on the back end. And they are very strong and stout in the front end. So the fact that that pass rush gets there, uh, throws quarterbacks off of their timing or they get hit as they throw or balls are getting tipped and then they're turning into easy interceptions. So it really is like a symbiotic relationship between those front guys and the back end guys. Well, I'm just looking at some of the stats on defense and, and just trying to see a story here. And it is kind of interesting when you look at, Quarterback knockdowns, Steelers are fourth with 19. But when you look at things like total um, passing touchdowns, 10, I mean, it, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get to the relevant thing. Oh, so total air yards on completion. The Steelers are second worst in the NFL. And it just seems to me that, that they are still, and, um, they are still susceptible to giving up these long, these 10 to 15 to 20-yard passes. And that hasn't really shown up until the last couple of games, but obviously they're second in the league. So this has been kind of going on, but teams can early figure out, go down in the middle of the field, go West young man. That's a really good point because we're, we're praising them right now and rightfully so, because they have the right personnel. But at the end of the day, I'm sorry. I just don't think that you're going to have a consistent top defense with Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin calling the defense. And I think that Mike Tomlin is a, I think I'm sorry. I think he is a great head coach, but there are different types of head coaches. There are certain guys like a McVay who need to have their hands on the the spot that they were coordinators for, right? Like he needs to have his hands on the play calling of the offense. Tomlin is a great manager of people and players and motivator and organizer. And he's, we know he's bad with challenges and timeouts, but overall he gets his team ready to play. And every single year, the team has a physical identity regardless of this or that. But getting back to your larger point with Butler, it's like the Steelers can feast upon the average and mediocre teams, but I just get nervous when they play great veteran quarterbacks or great offensive coordinators. And even with rivers, the guy had no time to throw, but you and I saw at the end of the game, he had whatever he wanted at 15 to 20 yards because that Steelers defense is so easy to manipulate. And I'm willing to give, you know, Butler till the end of the season before I completely rip him from stem to stern. But I don't know any coaches in the NFL that like suck and then rant and then get better over the call. Like I, I understand people can get better, but you know, there's a certain level of you either have it or you don't. And I think a lot of that 15 to 20 year old or 20 yard wide openness is systemic. And it's due to the situations that you're putting people in. They have been better about moving pieces around and not getting receivers covered with linebackers so constantly, but it still happens. It still happens more than almost any other team. And part of the reason why they're able to move the guys around, I almost think is just because of the Colbert and Tomlin getting the right personnel in there. So you're able to move Nelson around, but the second you get Artie Burns in there, you're, you're not able, your system gets exposed again. So I'm scared that the Steelers numbers defensively are going to be so good by the end of the year that they're going to keep Butler. Cause you're going to say, Oh, look at these numbers. They were great. And you're going to let good be the enemy of great. If you actually took a risk and got a new guy in there to couple great strategy with great talent. I know that's thinking really far ahead. Well, look, 
the, the thing that really the, the shiny penny in all this is obviously the defensive line and edge rushing. And again, I don't want to cite too many statistics, but the Steelers are third in terms of quarterback hits and they are first in terms of, I'm sorry, second in terms of tackles for losses. By the way, we're second to the Cleveland Browns, interestingly enough. Miles Garrett, so probably the push, Yeah. But well, the, the, sorry, the push up front is phenomenal. It's such a bummer that two it's down. I'm, we have to take yeah. some solace, a lot of solace in that. Um, alo, alo. We have, huh? We have Alo, alo, alo and yep. we have uh, Margrave. Hargrave, yeah, sorry. They just signed LT Walton. Yeah, so there's depth at the position, obviously, but it just sucks because, you know, with a team like the Steelers, you don't have a quarterback right now. No offense to Duck or Rudolph, it's their first few games, but uh, that that's going to need to come up. But I guess just, yeah, sort of what I was trying to say is yes, you have depth there. And I agree. I don't think they're not going to fall off a cliff for sure, but to it, to this point was their best player. And and without an offense, that's going to be able to lead the way you sort of need a suffocating defense. And that's going to take a big hit. I think to it was like first or top three in, in tackles for a loss in the whole league at the time when he went out. So that's a big loss that really sucks for him. I believe Hayward came back from that, from tearing a peck before and then had his best year like ever. So hopefully he can come back next year and maybe you're just saving some of the tread on his legs. So Ben can come back and we can really make a push for next year. But I agree. Um, I don't mean to have this pot. You know, I, I opened the podcast by saying, I think the Steelers could be one of the top two or three teams in the AFC. Um, and I do believe that, but I don't, I don't believe it's like, you know, totally black and white or super obvious or something like that. Um, and uh, but I'm, I'm not trying to be like overly fanboy about it. I think that's a very realistic opinion. We're getting a larger sample size. Obviously, I'll get back to you in three weeks if the Steelers handle their business against the Dolphins and do what they have to do going forward. But um, these are some of the positives that we're looking at. So maybe switching over to the offensive side, I, there's just some things that I want to see over the course of the rest of the year. I mean, if you're still talking defense, you really want to see Devin Bush make that transition um, into really being able to read his keys and process things faster instead of tackling people kind of past the line. I want to see him transition into real star status because he he is by every metric trending in that direction. But offensively, there's only like one thing I'm thinking for this season. I just need to see Mason Rudolph throw the ball downfield. I, I like Tomlin actually kind of admitted in his recent press conference that he knows they've been dinking and dunking people for the past few games and that they've been cobbling together game plans just to try and win games. And he said, we know that's not sustainable. We know you can't play like that forever, but frankly, right now, I wish I had the quote, frankly, right now we're not in the position to do anything except for, these desperation game plans to try and win game by game. But as the year goes on, if you can get Mason to open it up and throw downfield, like we've seen him do in the preseason, then I think a lot of that other stuff offensively is going to come along. You're going to see the receivers get, you know, some more production, obviously. And then I think the game, the run game can be a little bit more productive, but until we see that, I think everything's going to look pretty similar. Now you're playing the dolphins next week. So really, this would be the perfect time to see something, right? Yeah, and uh, I was actually encouraged. I know that we're not comparing Mason Rudolph to to Ben Roethlisberger, but 
on some on a Never. few occasions he did do some sidestepping and he got out of some trouble and he extended plays and mm. I'm hopeful that it's a matter of hmm. yeah I don't know dissing me yeah well he's the fourth out of all the quarterbacks yeah Ben Duck Dobbs and and Rudolph and and I agree he 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 does that but that's kind of the part of the of his game that worries me besides the fact that he just doesn't have much power in his arm. That's what I've, it's, it's what's always worried me about him. Um, and if you're going to be a big lummox who can sometimes sidestep some people, cool. But when you saw Duck in there, he actually could get out of the pocket and extend those plays. The one time Rudolph gets out of the pocket, he gets knocked out for two weeks. So I just need to – he's so based off of timing, and he throws a nice, pretty ball. And I do think they made the right decision – or made a good decision at least and decide and, and firmly saying that they're going to keep going with Rudolph. I know I said last week that I'd like to see them give duck three games and Rudolph three games. And I don't think that's that crazy because I don't think Rudolph is so overwhelmingly talented physically that his ceiling is obviously better than ducks. But I do think I would give him the edge in the, in the ceiling conversation, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for Mason, but there's just things to me that I get worried that, the situation needs to be perfect in order for him to succeed. And I worry about his ability to create things with his arms or with his legs. It will be perfect. Well, then that this week work out great. <laughs> well, we'll see if he, can. I mean, uh, as you pointed out, we do play, play the dolphins. That would be not that any team is a, uh, is a cakewalk, but of all the games that he's going to play, this would be one to showcase his, latent speedy talents so if ben was playing how worried would you be worried about uh, uh, this dolphins game on a scale of i'd be one terrified to 10, right as usual i'd be terrified i feel less scared because mason is playing because we i don't think we can afford to fall asleep at the wheel of any game i don't know maybe if they'll be too big for the britches because they just won on the west coast and it'll be back to the old Steelers mentality but i'd almost be more worried about the dolphins if ben ab and bell were playing rather than the backup brigade that's going. Yeah, they may they may see the fact they they uh, broke the the curse of the West Coast. I don't know. They broke it at least. They they broke the the pattern of losing on the West Coast. But but this is another one where we just don't get up for the big games and we look pat we look to the next week. And by the way, who is the after, Rams? I believe the Rams uh, the in Pittsburgh. Oh, the Colts and then the Rams play the Colts. Yeah. Well, and then those, the, those are very difficult. Both of those games, man, three home games in a row though. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to ease them back in from the concussion. All right. Well, those, those games are very tough. Both of those teams are incredibly well-rounded and incredibly well coached. So we'll see about that. But first things first, we were talking about Patrick Mahomes injury and I have, I will bring this to a relevant um, point in a second. So Patrick sure. Mahomes on the quarterback sneak, he'd already been gimpy. I guess he had an ankle high ankle sprain or something like that. And uh, dislocated his knee on the quarterback sneak. And it was something to behold to watch them put that kneecap back into place. Uh, yeah. Just another reason I'm not playing in the NFL. <laughs> but what it does is it confirms the mythology that the quarterback sneak is dangerous and it should never be employed by the Pittsburgh football Steelers. Right. Yeah, of course. One in a million. We've seen all so we need I'll, to see. So I'll just make that sweeping generalization with no evidence yet. But but we didn't sweep. We didn't have a quarterback sneak this week, did we, by the Steelers? So 
I rest my case. But anyway. Yeah, and 42-year-old Tom Brady, I think he ran 13 last week in their game. Right? Yeah, like an incredible amount. But, uh, you know, I guess he just got lucky. Because he's, I mean, and you and with with Tom Brady, you can do those kind of things. It's basically Cam Newton, Tom Brady in terms of you know just physically impressive guys. So yeah, how funny is that? That right after what was it? A week after, maybe two weeks after, Randy Feetner came out and said he doesn't like QB sneaks, and I was already a little bit worried about Randy from this year. Gave him a lot of credit last year for transforming that red zone offense and situational offense, but this year, you know, I do think Randy Feetner is the number one reason for getting shellacked by the Patriots in that first game. So he was already a little bit on thin ice. Then I found out that he's a moron and he can't read because he thinks that the running back should be able to pick up the first down on a, on a, like a third and one or a fourth and one situation more easily than a quarterback. And if the running back can't pick it up, then we don't deserve the first down when the percentages are legitimately like 75, 80% chance of success of the quarterback picking up the first down on a fourth down run like that or a short situation run like that. And he also said, and we don't like to put our quarterback in that situation to get injured. And I said, in about 20 years of watching football, I can't name one quarterback, definitely not a major quarterback, but I can't even name a random quarterback who's ever even gotten hurt mildly on a, on a QB sneak. There's not enough room for impact. You know what I mean? Like a quarterback's going to get hurt when you have a running start to hit him. Basically, you're just falling forward and it's a pile full of guys. Nobody's behind you, so no one's really twisting your legs. You're just kind of in there. And then the most famous current quarterback gets a one in a million injury. And now we're never going to see the Steelers quarterback sneak again. If Fiener comes out and says, I told you so, we riot. And we need to get him fired because I'll be terrified. This was a total fluke injury. And... It sucks because I don't care what fan you're or what team you're a fan of. Patrick Mahomes is the man. He is an artist on the football field, and that just sucks for football. And again, it makes Tom Brady's road. I mean, this is the biggest joke of a schedule I've ever seen the Patriots play, and they're just gonna they're they're gonna play the Chiefs, and Mahomes isn't even gonna be playing. Damn it! Sorry, I've been bottling that up since it happened a few days ago. Yeah, I'm feeling you. Uh, just one other thing about the the new studio, the laundry room. This is uh, there's a pro and con to being here. One, I'm next to the magic fridge, and all I have to oh. do is lean down, mute the mic, and pull open a nice all day Founders IPA. Anyway, Sounds back like from the point. So let's so let's just talk about innovation in football. There was a, as you know, I'm in Washington D.C. It's used to be all about the Redskins, but if you watch the game today, man. There are seats to be had all over the stadium. And it obviously had something to do with bad weather, but you know, there's just an unwatchable product on the field. And uh, the owner, Dan Snyder gets endless heat rightfully so, because you would figure in 20 years of ownership, if you just closed your eyes two years, you would make it to the playoff without trying, but in trying in trying, he's actually, it's always backfired with him. And it's a, it's a coach of the day situation. And at one point uh, three years ago, they had on their in their coaching roster Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt Lafleur, all of whom are hmm. our current current head coaches under forty. And uh, this article was talking about what innovators they were. That, that at the time they were actually kind of a football laboratory, and 
the short version is that everybody thought Mike Shanahan was a genius, but it's re- really about these guys trying to modernize the first, the run first pass, pass second version of the West Coast offense that Shanahan used in, in Denver. And now look, and I don't know, I think the Steelers have been pretty good at spotting talent in certain places, but what, when was the last innovator? You know, I, I was obviously looking at Dick LeBlow, LeBeau, and I think he innovated the, the zone blitz in Cincinnati before he came to Pittsburgh. And then you have Bruce Arians, who to some extent people consider him an innovator. But I just don't feel innovation anymore or risk-taking. Yeah, and, and just a little background on that story of the coaching staff in Washington. It does. It started with Mike Shanahan, for sure, who's legitimately one of maybe the greatest run game coordinator of all time. He really patented that zone blocking scheme that we see so many teams run nowadays and he was just a plug and play thousand yard rusher in denver for a while even after terrell davis left so everything started with him it's that run game kubiak learned it from him uh he's doing a good job where is he right now oh why am i just blanking where kubiak is oh he is in minnesota um, but everywhere he goes, there's a great running game. Everywhere Mike Shanahan goes, there's a good running game. Kyle Shanahan was brought up as his son with that running game. And what happens with it is it's it's marked by you know stretch runs and play actions and bootlegs and misdirections off of those. And so you guys, if you've been listening to the podcast this season, you would have heard us talk a lot about that, especially before we played San Francisco with all the misdirection. Steelers need to do more of this. We saw them do it against the Bengals. It was really impressive. So – that's where it all kind of started from. And uh, McVeigh, I think he's also from the Gruden tree who has a little bit of that as well. But while they were in Washington, um, people don't realize how successful Kyle Shanahan has been for a long time. It wasn't just the Falcons. They drafted RG3. They didn't want RG3. You realize they drafted Kirk Cousins a few rounds after RG3 as the number two pick in the NFL draft and trading like three first round picks for the guys. So it was bizarre to see them draft another quarterback just a few rounds later. And that was because Shanahan and them, they didn't want to draft RG3. Uh, Snyder made them do it and they traded a treasure chest of picks, which eventually sort of built the Rams Super Bowl team, long story short. But once they got RG3, they basically had to go into the lab. And Chris Sims has told this story on his podcast a number of times. This is where I'm getting the story from. But um, they had to go into the lab and design a new offense for RG3 to figure out a way to use this running quarterback in the modern NFL. And he was legitimately drawing plays on napkins because he couldn't go to sleep the night before, like, training camp. And so they succeeded. They Russ, um, what's his name? RG three gets rookie of the year over Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson, who were both magnificent in their debuts as well. And they had this great offense. And I remember thinking, like, man, RG three is so talented. He's not particularly accurate, but they have all kinds of crazy stuff that they do. And so, side note, they played the Steelers. And the Steelers absolutely knocked the living snot out of him. He ran a pass on the sideline. I think it was Ryan Clark, legitimately decapitated him. But Either way, what you're saying about innovation is right on. And we know about McVeigh in Los Angeles. The, the, we also uh, cited some of these stats after the Patriots game and after the Niners game. Teams are, are like trends come and go in the NFL. So everybody uses primarily shotgun now except for the best offensive teams in the NFL. The Rams, the Patriots, the 49ers, and the Saints all use the most 
uh, under center and eye formation, two back formations in the entire league. The only great offense that doesn't use it is Patrick Mahomes, and that's because you have Patrick Mahomes. And yes, I said Patrick Mahomes instead of Kansas City because, come on. But these guys, innovation doesn't always mean reinventing the wheel. It's looking at what your opponents are doing, and a lot of people are getting smaller personnel on the field so that they can defend against these shotgun formations and the constant passing. So what did Bill Belichick do? What did Kyle Shanahan do? Oh, there's small guys on the other side. Let's get a bunch of big guys and run them into the ground. And off of those big guy formations – you can use play action because the run game has been successful and it looks like runs and and so on and so forth. So I think I, I do want to give Feetner and them credit for – and Butler for adjusting, especially starting with that Bengals game. And then through the Ravens game, we talked about the adjustments they made at halftime to contain Lamar Jackson. I thought it was super creative when they had Mike Hilton – Take a couple of blitzes and then be a quarterback spy as like a slot corner. That to me was something that I don't see the Steelers do a lot, at least. And then with all the jet sweeps and as we knew, <laughs> they're not cutting edge uh, in terms of innovation. So they got too enamored with it and used and used it overly. They used it too much as we called they would on our podcast that he's going to use this. And instantly they throw an interception having the third string running back throw the ball <laughs> on the first play of the game. But Anyways, they have a little innovation. You'd like to see more. Again, so much of the season is tough to to digest because you have these young quarterbacks in there, and it really limits you. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat a little bit of crow. I was looking at Bruce Arians and thinking back on Bruce Arians, he nearly got Ben killed. And you have to give credit to Todd Haley, who did figure out who did figure out a, a configuration. And a and an offense that protected Ben and actually where he helped him surge. So, but yeah, with innovation, do it. Yeah, I just like to see something a little more imaginative. Of, you know, let's cover the middle of the field or harken back to those days of youth football that you had. Remember the the plays that I would design. There would never be a punt, not in no. my football team. Something never. we used to call Tommy Ball. We would not punt every quarterback and go out there assured that he would get at least four shots at the apple every time. I think that, well, there's something to be said for that. Doug Peterson in Philadelphia goes for it on fourth down more than anybody else, except for guess who the new England Patriots, because there is a certain thing where, by the way, Feetner, if it's fourth and one and your running back, can't get the first down. You don't deserve it. You you got the sentence wrong. If it's fourth and running one and your quarterback can't sneak it for the, (laughs) for the first down, then you don't deserve it. Right. So the Patriots know that like the chances of them converting on those fourth and ones are so enormous. And you could take that little stupid stat of uh, win like percentage chance that you're going to win the game at this moment. And then you can make one of those fourth downs and that percentage will go up by like eight percent. So it makes a big deal. It's a field flipping possession flipping type of thing. So I do think I'm with you on that, but I don't think the Steelers need gadgetry or something totally out of the box as much as they need help with fundamentals like they've done a good job offensively innovating over the years and adjusting and even defensively the way they handle their personnel it took them longer than the rest of the nfl but now they're more versatile they have players who can do more things but it's just um you know the whole middle of the field thing is more like i I don't know if it takes innovation for that it takes you being able to cover your bases a little bit more on your basics so some of you fine gentlemen may find yourself vexed from a carburetor impairment. 
It's frustrating when that finely tuned engine misfires or fails to fire at all. But this malfunctioning doesn't need to be an impediment performance. There is a way to tune that motor so that it's ready to leap at the slightest touch of your toe on the pedal. That tune-up comes in the form of a chewable pill. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. And this little metabolic subsidy can be taken any time, day or night, on a full stomach or empty. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. And so you can be ready whenever opportunity arises. And I do realize you can chew a pill, so I'm not sure where that part of the ad came from. But if you could benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game. But Blue Chew helps you go from zero to 60 with breathtaking acceleration. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code, code armchair to try for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. One more advertisement for a product that works, people. We're talking about my bookie. Let's put some scoots on the game. You want to win some money on the Steelman? They're going to blow the Dolphins out of the building this week. You know why? Because we're two and four. And that's better than if we were four and two and we just fall asleep at the wheel as we've seen time and time again. But I don't know about you guys, but a game is 10 times more exciting for me when I'm putting my money on it. And sometimes you got to just throw down. And when you throw down, you got to do it at mybookie.ag. You can bet parlays so you can string together a couple of the big favorites for the week. And it just lets you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So do the smart thing and bet at mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Pro football, college football, MLB playoffs, hockey, basketball, all kinds of stuff. You can bet on all that. Get off the sidelines and get into the game like Rudy did, but for more than one play, hopefully, because mybookie.ag gives you a lot of options. If you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code C-H-A-I-R to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag online today. You play, you win, you get paid. And you know who's going to get paid? We're going to get paid because what? They gave a ridiculous spread on the Miami game. And we bet on Miami and they they only lost by 10, 31 to 21 to uh, the bills you were mentioning before. One, yeah, and they should have won if it's magic didn't throw a pick in the end zone. Sorry, go for well, it. Well, you can count on that. One last quick story <laughs> I read in the post this morning. There was a uh, there's some dog piling going on on the Redskins, and the uh, local radio show interviewed a guy, Dante Whitner. Whitner, he uh, played Whitner. for the forty nine for the forty ers in his eleven year career. He's played for a year on the Redskins, and there is no love lost there. One of the things, among other things. He said that Gruden was not a team guy, didn't really uh, care about the players. But he was also talking about the defensive coordinator, Perry Fuel, F-E-W-E-L-L. And this is a quote. I know more about football than Perry Fuel and a lot of those defensive coordinators and Greg Minuski. 
Whitner said, these guys are just friends of the coaches. A lot of these coaches are just hiring their friends. And I don't think that's necessarily true of yeah. Mike. Tom- I don't think that's true at all of Mike Tomlin, but I think it's he true. does hang on to guys. hundred percent true. You think so? I'm with it. Joey Porter, Carnell Lake, Keith Butler. Yeah. I worry about that. And I'm exaggerating. I, don't, I agree. I don't think it's a hundred percent true, but I know for a fact that the NFL is like that. There's a lot of nepotism. There's a lot of politics and there's a lot of friends hiring friends. And especially the Joey Porter one, man. I mean, they didn't have an ounce of success. Two straight linebackers who were total busts in Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree and Joey Porter leaves and Bud Dupree is good. Now that's causation and cor- correlation, of course. Bud Dupree was struggling with a lot of injuries. But either way, I, I think that's a nice segue into the Steelers. And I get scared with Tomlin that like what makes him so cool and so likable to people is he has like he's a guy's guy, but he also has that sort of like military determination. He doesn't have the military strictness, but he has that sort of camaraderie aspect to him where he's like, I'm going fighting with my guys down to the end. And I would implore you, Mike, to stop fighting with some of your guys and remove them for guys who are better at fighting. I eat Keith Butler. Okay, so let's wrap up here. Let's just take a little look into the future. We have the Miami Dolphins next week, so we're going into this game two and four. Let's hope we can beat the the Dolphins. Yeah, and you on, think boy. that the uh, so we then then the Colts and the Rams maybe tough games, but being at home is hopefully to our advantage. And then yeah, we travel. Then we've got then we've got a little bit of a road stint. Cleveland followed by Cincinnati. Hopefully. Um, well, if you can take one of the two from the Rams and the Colts, yeah, three and five, just at a um, the Cleveland Browns should be a dogfight. That that to me is a coin flip, and hopefully you can beat the Bengals. But then you come right back the next week and you play the Browns at home. So the Browns are two times in three weeks. Well, we'll see. I mean, every single game is going to be a dogfight for the Steelers. I do think the Dolphins game will be somewhat of a dogfight. I just don't think the Steelers. You know, they're they're they got a quarterback issue right now. And if Mason can keep climbing the ladder and keep getting better, then we might be able to see them pull away from people. And I expect Mason to keep getting better. Again, the guys only played in like three games. So nobody else was lighting it on fire outside of, you know, Watson and Mahomes and some of these MVP type guys. But um I yeah, I uh it's a little too early for me to really tell what's going to happen against those teams. There's big injuries. There's different, like the Bengals might fold by that time and uh, who knows what's going to happen. But I guess one more thing I want to go over before we roll out here, I got like just a couple minutes left, but how about some of the players that you've liked? Is there anybody whose performance has really surprised you or is there somebody whose performance has lived up to expectations and we should notice them? Obviously we talked about to it earlier. I think I know who you're going to say, but is there any Steelers players who have been really encouraging uh, performance wise for you this year so far or ones that you want to see more from? Well, if we're not going to talk about dirty Reb, you know, when uh, I'm, I'm very happy with Mika Fitzpatrick. Who did you think I was going to mention? That's a great point. I th- I was sure you were going to say Boswell. We agreed not to say anything. Shh. Oh, right. Damn it. Uh, I meant, uh, I meant, uh, Jordan Vince Barry. Williams. Damn it. Yeah. Barry. There you go. I was trying to think we, we got no more bees on the team. What the hell is going no, on? Hey, here? Like Vince, Vince is a great, I mean, qu- kind of quietly. I mean, he's, he's been, he's been great. I, I, 
He has been good since uh, he came back from the injury. Yeah. I guess Bud has to be a that's pleasant a surprise one. for everybody, right? That's a great. That's a great pick. Yeah. There's there's so and many. Steve Nelson. From you brought Steven up Steve Nelson. Nelson. I mean, the star Cameron Sutton is someone you really have to watch over the second half of the season. He could really end up being the Steelers third corner. Uh, but Mike Hilton's played so well that you don't know what's going to go on there. I mean, the fact that they put an Artie over Sutton is kind of disgraceful. I think we, and then they gave him a game ball. I'm hoping that was just sort of symbolic for a guy like Artie, who's such a great guy and works so hard to support his brothers, you know, without his parents or anything like that. And, such a great guy. I hope that was more of a symbolic thing and not them thinking, hey, he played well. Cameron Sutton is in a different league than Artie Burns. But your point is taken where, like, this, there's all kinds of guys. Hargrave, Hayward, they've been as advertised. Obviously, we already went over the, the running backs and receivers thing so far. I think it's just impossible to get a read on those guys. I think we've seen when Juju has gotten a little se- like separation, he gets it in stiff arms guy and scores a touchdown. Same thing with James Conner. Hopefully we'll get to see more of that over the course of the year. But there's, there's a lot to be encouraged about with this Steelers team. I would love to be able to see them scrounge their way to six wins or more. <laughs> and I know that might sound depressing to Steelers fans. And I definitely think they could do better than that. But I also think you got to be realistic and they play some really good teams and, it could be a little tough. That win against the Chargers was huge, but I wouldn't categorize this. I mean, it's a lost season. I would categorize it as a lost season because right now, looking at what we're looking at in the rest of the NFL, I do think if Ben Roethlisberger were playing, yes, I know he had a bad first game, but he's had a bad first game for like five out of six years. He usually gets hotter as the year goes on. But I think if he was playing, it would be another window year for the Steelers that they're missing out on. But on the other hand, there's a lot of youth to this team and it might just be a transition year from the offense carrying them for so long into the defense becoming more of a sturdy unit with a complementary offense. And I think that there's a lot of young guys who the Steelers have uh, locked up and we can keep see, keep watching this team improve and hopefully they can stay relatively healthy because the two-it injury was a blow. But yeah, there's stuff to be encouraged about that is going to continue through the end of the year and into next year, hopefully. Yeah, it's just kind of the bummer. The only guy you can point to on offense is James Conner, honestly. This is it's a function of circumstance. I mean, you lose your quarterback, you that means yeah. you lose your you lose the ability to for the to highlight the wide receivers. Obviously, we've had some trouble at tight end and the offensive line really took a few games to get started. So, let's hope it's on to something new. Well, side note, uh Vanette I'm telling you, I, everybody was talking trash about that signing. I loved the signing. It's a fifth-round pick. They said a fifth-round pick and Josh Dobbs. Sure, <laughs> take him. Uh, we have got two guys who are, in my mind, significantly better than him on the team anyway, so we're not going to keep four quarterbacks. I liked that trade. I know that they have to sign him at the end of the year, but he's been on the Steelers for like barely two weeks, and he's already playing well, and I could really see him being a complimentary piece to Vance McDonald, especially with the injury concerns, and then they can address the third tight end position you know, next year in the draft or free agency. But that's another guy. He's, what, he's like 26? So it's not like this is some veteran you're signing for his last breath, like an Earl Thomas in, in, uh, in Baltimore. This is a guy who you're forming your team. You're replenishing the loss of Jesse James, which was actually a bigger deal than people anticipated. And yeah, I think that there's good players. I'm encouraged. I just, I want to see Washington be able to get an opportunity to catch the ball downfield. I like that Deontay Johnson is getting so much burn, so much 
more time than maybe we even expected him to get because I think that he's shown flashes of what they hope he'd be, this this elusive route runner, big play potential kind of guy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm excited to watch the growth going forward. It all starts with Mason. I will say this. It is frustrating that there are a lot of other NFL teams who have done just fine without their starting quarterbacks. The Panthers, the Colts, the Saints, and even the Jaguars with Minshew. He took a little step back. Um, but other teams have been able to scheme around it and, and help their quarterback. I think the Steelers have righted that ship a little bit recently, and I just hope that their offensive staff continues to improve for Mason as well. Hey, so we're creating a lot of chatter on Twitter. Join us at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. We'd love to talk to you. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.